So we're going to start with the war in Ukraine, but we're actually starting in Moscow. President Zelensky, of course, saying that the war is coming to Russia. Take a look at this drone attack on an office block in Moscow. And it is two in two days. Uh, three government ministries uh, live inside that block. Uh, the mayor of Moscow saying uh, nobody was hurt. Well, this was the aftermath of the second attack last night. Also, uh, several drones uh, reportedly shot down by air defence systems. Right, take a look at this map and the red dots there. Moscow has reported a number of drone attacks throughout the year. These are uh, some of them, many targeted, as you can see there, close to the Ukraine-Russia border. So what does all this mean? Well, here's Nick Beek at the BBC's Evidence Hub. Drones striking at the heart of the Russian capital are undoubtedly a big psychological boost for the Ukrainians. But here at BBC Verify, we've been looking at the impact they've been having, what's really happening on the ground and in the air. Have a look at this video. This is the latest strike on Moscow. You can see this video in the aftermath of the attack, the damage to this particular skyscraper building. You can see the windows there blown out. And this complex was targeted 24 hours earlier. And we've got a video of that. And you can see just after a few seconds, quite a, a huge explosion here that rips through what is the, the business financial district in Moscow and some people come out at this point to, to work out what's been going on and they start to record on their phone the aftermath of this. If we have a look at a map, this is the place we're talking about. It's home to government buildings, also some luxury flats, restaurants as well as other buildings and it's not far away from the Kremlin at all is it? This is actually about five kilometres away so when the Ukrainians talk about the war coming to President Putin's doorstep this is what they mean. This is a satellite image of the block that was struck twice in 48 hours. This is actually all the same building and you can see it was a target for the Ukrainians. If we are thinking about the actual drone that was used, in those videos you can't see anything clearly at all. But have a look at this video because this is something that we've been looking at here at BBC Verify. This was taken on the outskirts of the Russian capital. A distinctive shape this drone because you can see that the rear wing is much bigger than the first one. This video we've put on loop here but we've been asking drone experts to take a look at this and they say it points to this particular drone. Come have a look at this with the, the larger rear wing, the smaller front wing and they're saying it looks very much like it's a, a Bibur drone which is Ukrainian made. It's a long range device. Apparently it has a range of up to a thousand kilometers so potentially enough to fly from Ukrainian controlled territory to Moscow. Worth pointing out, Ukraine has not said it's responsible for these attacks. We don't know where these drones were sent out from. What we have been trying to do here at BBC Verify is look at the bigger picture here. And to do that, we've been looking at Russian media and all reports of suspected drone strikes so far this year. Have a look at this map. So there is a concentration around Moscow. That is clear there, but also down towards the Belarusian border as well. Also, if you look at the Kharkiv region of Ukraine around here, just over the border, as well as other Ukrainian drone strikes reported in Russian controlled Crimea, you can see all of those attacks there. And through looking at these reports, we can say that there have been at least more than 120 attacks, drone attacks so far this year. So this gives an indication of how the Ukrainians are striking not just at the Russian capital, but other parts of Russia itself and Russian controlled territory.
Thanks to Nick for that. And two more quick updates for you. Russia says it's uh, destroyed three Ukrainian unmanned boats that were trying to attack two Russian naval ships in the Black Sea. Also, drone attacks are taking place on Ukraine too, in Kharkiv. A college dormitory here was hit by a drone overnight into Tuesday. And uh, more than 80 people were injured after this missile uh, strike on Monday. Right, I want to speak now to my colleague Vitaly Shevchenko from BBC Monitoring, which analyzes media around the world, and Hannah Schlest from a Ukraine Analytica and Academic Journal is in Odessa. Thanks both for coming on the program. Thank you. So I want to look at two areas here. Firstly, these uh, drone attacks on Moscow. I want to spend a bit of time looking at the Russian reaction to that and what it can tell us, if anything, about the wider counter-offensive. And we'll get on to that a little bit later. Vitaly, uh, let's come to you first. These drone attacks in Moscow, what's the narrative around these in Russian media? Well, the Kremlin's um, media machine is uh, trying to use these attacks as further justification of what officials in Moscow insist on calling this special military operation uh, in Ukraine. They're, they're saying that Ukraine is a threat that needs to be tackled. Uh, and also there's a certain degree of, you know, unwillingness to focus on these highly embarrassing attacks too much. But that's, that seems to be the whole point of what may possibly be an attack carried out by Ukraine or by somebody sympathetic towards Ukraine, which is to undermine President Putin's key stated uh, objective of his operation in Ukraine, which was to make Russia safer. But as residents of Moscow uh, could see over the past few days, this hasn't really happened and in fact security in Moscow has become much much worse. And what do you think that does to the support for Vladimir Putin, the support for the uh, war in Ukraine amongst ordinary people in Moscow? Well I have been able to speak to one uh, resident of Moscow earlier today uh, and she said um, that uh, her friends and, 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 and relatives were not particularly concerned about this because clearly the impact of, of these drone attacks has been minimal. minimal. Some glass shattered in, uh, in, in, in Moscow's business quarter, which also happens to house some ministries. This clearly isn't going to trigger a, a sweeping change of, of how Russians feel and how they see the special military operation. But um, if, if you follow uh, conversations on, on social media in Ukraine, these attacks, they tend to be seen as the beginning of, of something which Ukraine can achieve in the future, a demonstration of capability. So. Uh, these attacks are something that's being watched closely, both in Russia and in Ukraine. Interesting. Vitaly, stay right there. Let's go to Hannah Shalest now. Just I want to pick up on that point from Vitaly uh, just before uh, he got on to his final point there, about this idea that actually it's just some broken glass, uh, nothing too major. Uh, is this, in your assessment, a successful Ukrainian uh, policy or military strategy or not? 
You know, uh, the question is, what was the task, what was the aim? And the aim was definitely uh, not the military, but first of all, uh, uh, psychological. And we understand that uh, this action was not reaching the ammunition depot or logistical uh, point, something that we usually see on, for example, in Rostov, in Belgorod, or in uh, Crimea. So in this case, the psychological information, in fact, is much more important. And here, when you follow the Russian social networks, you definitely can find these two main feelings. First of all is disbelief, how Ukrainians managed to do it. If they managed to do it in Moscow, that should be the most protected city. So what they will be able to do in uh, other parts of Russia. And uh, Russian propaganda for a month has been presenting Ukrainian armed forces as weak and incapable. So how they can be incapable in case they can do something like this. The second is a light panic, because as Vitaly said, the security measures in Moscow increased with it, uh, since the first attack against Kremlin. And also we saw all this military equipment even in the uh, um, roof of the Ministry of Defense. And uh, as a result, still we have several nights uh, with Ukrainian drones uh, without injuries, because that is definitely without victims. It is the goal of these drones to be used against the building where the ministries and some business people being stationed. Uh, so uh, what it says about the Russian air defense, about Moscow air defense. And we understand that that is just a small part of the bigger puzzle of demonstrating to the Russian people as well that war is not something only in their telegram channels. The war is I real see. and their army is not capable. That's absolutely fascinating. Let's broaden it out now then, Vitaly, from just these drone attacks and just this specific tactic to the wider issue of the Ukrainian counteroffensive. How do these drone attacks feed into it, if at all, and what is happening? Well, uh, this war uh, has already been called by many people as a, a drone war. And you can say that the future has arrived albeit for uh, all the uh, wrong reasons. Uh, to put it simply, Ukraine doesn't have uh, enough uh, long-range missiles and uh, military uh, aircraft to target um, Russian um, um, f uh, troops and hardware from a safe distance. That's why it's had to rely on drones. And we've seen um, numerous videos and pictures where uh, off-the-shelf, Chinese-made, relatively cheap uh, drones have been modified to drop grenades onto, onto Russian troops, for, for example. And that's a tactic that Ukraine has been uh, using reasonably success, successfully. Uh, in, in terms of the wider counteroffensive, uh, as, as Hannah will know, uh, there's a debate going on in, in uh, Ukrainian media whether this is even the, the right question to, to ask, whether it's uh, progressing uh, fast enough, because as we've seen uh, over the past months, even the, uh, the, uh, the, the square kilometers captured by, by Russians, uh, by, by Ukrainians over the past weeks, they come at an, at an increasingly high price. So the battle goes on. People yeah. in Ukraine die on an almost daily or nightly basis. And uh, it's, it's a tragic situation, no matter how you look at it. Hannah, I want to come to you. I want to pick up that first point that Vitaly made there about the lack of strength of Ukraine in the air. Ukraine chose to launch this counteroffensive without 
air superiority. And lots of military experts at the time said, fair enough, you can't wait, you've got to go, fine but did not envy a position where you're trying to launch a major counteroffensive to reclaim territory without superiority in the air. Is it a fact now that Ukraine simply has to wait for that to arrive? You know, that is a difficult uh, question from the very beginning, because definitely when you look to the U.S. operations, it's always been a huge air support. But at the same time, uh, uh, we understand that we would not have the superiority for at least the next six, seven months. Does it mean that we should allow Russia to continue their offense operations for these seven months? Does it mean that Ukrainian people should continue living under the occupation and all those war crimes for the next seven months? That's why Ukraine since the day one tried to be asymmetric and creative as much as possible. That's why there are so many drones. That's why the counteroffense started from attacking Russian ammunition and logistics. So to limit supply to the front line and Russian production is not so quick as it used to be in the beginning of the war. That's why Ukraine tried the counteroffense in the several dimensions because the front line is more than 1,000 kilometers and Russians couldn't identify where this real big counteroffense will take place. That's why partisans work. That's why a lot of other stuff, because unfortunately we cannot wait till that moment when our Western allies finally decide that, okay, you deserve to have F-16 or something like this. And that's yeah. why we are asking for air defense. The reason is we've been waiting for the last six months for this counteroffense. Everybody was waiting for it in March. And uh, because of our hesitation, I mean, Ukrainian side hesitation and our partners hesitation, we received the situation that Russians managed to build a quite a heavy defense line from the minefields at uh, most parts of the uh, front line. Okay, we must leave it there, but fascinating uh, stuff. Hannah Shalest, Vitaly Shevchenko, thank you both very much.